0: Every day, what is it that I'm supposed to do today? Not, you know, me, but God working through me.
1: This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships the wins and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Today, I am privileged to have a conversation with a wonderful woman named Renee Dillard, who is a retired school teacher and she has turned into a frontline savior with the pandemic. Renee is also a mother of three, a grandmother of two, which if you looked at her, you would say no way. And she's been a preacher's wife for almost 33 years. And Renee found her aha moment on a shelf of a gift store, So I'm really excited to share and hear about that story and share that with you all. And Her life is actually a series of aha moments, that one being the most prevalent that has kind of been her guiding mantra, shall we say, through the last few years. So welcome, Renee. Thank
0: you, Wendy. I'm so excited to be here with you.
1: Well, Thank you so much for your time. And I'm excited to share your story. I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people. So let's start with, let's start with that moment. You want to your aha moment that, you know, lead us up briefly to that, that moment in that store. Well,
0: my husband always takes a group of people to Guatemala every year on mission trips. And he's always wanted me to go, but I haven't ever gone. I, um, I always say I'm the prayer and I'm the sender. You go, and I'll pray for you. And so last, the summer of 2019, I said I would go and I would help with the medical part of the mission work. And so 80 people were going. There was everything around the church was geared towards this mission trip in Guatemala where they build houses and then they would have the medical team for the first time. So I went to spend a few days with my mom in Savannah. And once I got away from all the hubbub of Guatemala. Of like
1: getting the trip prepared, you mean?
0: Oh, praying for it, getting supplies ready, getting everything organized. It's a really high stress event. Right, well, not only is it- people. It fills my whole life at home.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: um, once I kind of got away from that, I guess I let anxiety and fear kind of take over. And I decided that I I wasn't going to go. And I knew my husband would be disappointed, but I just, I didn't think I, I mean, I didn't feel like what could God use me for? Hmm. And so as I was in this little store in Savannah, there was a plaque on the shelf. And it was from Esther 414. And it said, perhaps this is the moment for which you've been created. And it just, it just hit me. Oh my gosh. You told me it jumped
1: off the shelf at you. It did.
0: It was like, what if this is the whole reason you're created to go and minister to these people in Guatemala? And I had to buy it. I bought it. And then I just kind of really took it to heart. And I came home and I told George, I was like, I was going to not go. I said, but I'm going to go. Maybe, maybe this is the whole moment. And I didn't, I really didn't see any way God could use me because I've had back surgery. What could I do? And God did. Our God is so big that he can use me with back surgery and my back fused together to help people in Guatemala. And I just, you know, it's nothing I did, but God used, he used us on that trip and it was just, and so then it was like, well, man, if God could use me in Guatemala, I mean,
1: imagine
0: what he can do with me
1: here in the U.S. Right, right. So before um, we get into that, because what you've done in the U.S. is pretty pretty neat and it just took a moment for you to decide to do it and it's just taken off and it's been so helpful for so many people. But let's find out who Renee is. Can you bring us up to speed on who you are and how you- I would always-
0: classify myself as a a wife and a mom first. You know, family is huge for me. And then I'm a Christian in all things. I believe in Christ and I have my whole life. You grew up that way, right? Like I I got baptized when I was six years old. Okay. Um, I just, I've always been raised in the church. I've always. Did you tell me you could miss
1: school, but you couldn't miss church? I very rarely miss church.
0: Very rarely. And even when I married a preacher, it's not like I started going to church more because I was always going. And I mean, I feel like everything that I, every way that I was raised prepared me for being in the ministry with my husband. And I was a school teacher for 32 years. And I always said that that was my calling. Because you don't go into school teaching to make money. Well, you said Um, you started out, you went to college. I went to college. My mom's a school teacher and she, I grew up my whole life. You don't want to be a school teacher. (laughs) That's
1: like my kids. We don't want you to go in the restaurant business. Don't do it.
0: Yeah. And so I went to University of Georgia and I got a degree in business with emphasis in accounting. And so when I graduated from college, I was a public accountant for two years and I hated every minute of it. So I went back to school and got a degree in education. And I just, it was my life just pouring into kids' lives, seeing the difference that I made in their life. And I'll tell you, my daughter, my youngest daughter wanted to be a teacher. And I was said oh no, you don't want to be a teacher. It's too stressful. There's so much going on. And she looked at me and went, don't kill my dream. Ooh. And Ooh. I was like, oh, ah. okay. <laughs> I know. And it was like, I wish I had had the guts to say that to my mom. It would have saved me a lot of time in school, but I was like, okay.
1: And she is, she's killing it as a fourth grade elementary school teacher. That is fantastic. But also because you decided to change routes, that's how you met your husband.
0: Well, we met on a blind date and he was preaching in a little church in Rinkin, Georgia right outside of Savannah. And our mutual friend set us up on our first date. he said, "I don't really have time to date around because I'm so busy." I mean, I don't date for fun. So if you want to just date for fun, I'm not your guy. But if you want to get serious, I'm your guy. And in my head, I was going, "Ah, oh, yeah, I'm ready to settle down and get serious. So we oh basically God. decided on our first date that we were going to have a serious relationship. And that was at Thanksgiving break. And a week later, I finished school. We got engaged at Christmas and we got married in March. So fast. So fast. On our honeymoon, I was like, I don't even know what you'd like on your hamburger. <laughs> and he said, I like whatever you put on it.
1: Oh, how so romantic is Wasn't
0: that a great answer?
1: <laughs> yes. That's excellent. So, uh, you guys start your lives together. He's doing his preaching thing. You're doing your teaching thing. Okay. Bring us up to speed. So you get pregnant with your first child, right?
0: I get pregnant with Tiffany, who we were very excited to have. And after I had her, I can say now I had postpartum, then that I wouldn't allow anybody to say that word around me. And the stress of being a new mom, working full-time, being the preacher's wife, it was a lot And I didn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. So I suggested to my husband that we go to counseling so that we could deal with it. And he said no, that he was the person who counseled people and that we didn't need counseling. And I was 26, he was like 32, you know, naive and young. So I packed my bags and I went to my grandmother's house and he followed me there. And he, he goes, I put your suitcases back in the car. And I was like, I'm not coming home till you agree to go to counseling. And we did, we went to counseling, which, you know, 29 years ago was not something that people did, right. but it really helped me to cope with the situation. I think that it gave him more understanding of where I was at. And he said also that it helped him being able to counsel, you know, other families who were dealing with the stress of a new baby and all the things that
1: come with that. Right, kind of opened his eyes. You said that the fact that he didn't want To go because he was the counselor. It was a really tough time for you. It was. It was tough also because you said. I mean, the pressure that you may not have mentioned that I've had on this podcast before with other people who have grown up in the church and then were had family members that were like in the public eye. You had a persona to kind of fill. Like, yeah, you guys are on stage. You're the preacher of the area. Here's his wife. Here's his cute little family. Here they are. Kind of compare it to living
0: in a fishbowl. Okay. Everybody knew everything that we did. And that's just the way it was.
1: You were on display.
0: You know, it was a small town. Everybody knew everybody's business. And, you know, it was like we led this perfect life, but nobody leads a perfect life. It's just kind of, you know, the persona that may... now. I can say 32 years later that everybody knows my life is not perfect. And I'm very open with my struggles only because I know that it helps people to know there's, hey, oh my gosh. If she's going through it, then, and she can make it, you know,
1: it helps people. Right. I'm really excited for you to share the next part. You go along and then there was a time when, well, how does that work? You have a time where you tell your husband, yeah, I'm not going to church. I have the flu, but you didn't have the flu. That fact, how long ago was that?
0: That was about 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. my son was eight. The girls were in high school and college, and I was in this dark hole. There wasn't any one event that caused it. I was barely getting myself to school, and I was coming home and getting in bed. I wasn't cooking. I wasn't cleaning. I wasn't doing anything. It was just all I could do to get to school and come home.
1: And you have no idea how that even happened. I wonder how many people feel that way.
0: A lot more than you would think. Right, And during this pandemic, you know, the, when the walls come, come crashing in because you're just at home and you're not able to socialize for three weekends, I did not go to church and I spent the entire weekend in bed Hmm. and I told my husband, I had the flu. And on the third weekend, he came home from church and he goes, you don't have the flu, do you? And I said, no, I don't. I don't even know what's wrong. I said, everything in my body hurts, everything.
1: Like physical pain hurt. Physical pain.
0: I mean, it felt like the flu, mm, okay. you know, where your body just aches and you just don't want to even move because it hurts. And he was like, what are we going to do about it? And so we decided to talk to our family physician first and George went with me and my family physician suggested counseling and he suggested medication and I wanted to get better. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to feel like that. So I started medication and I started seeing a therapist who I went to weekly without fail for three years. Wow. And at first, I I mean, literally I would go in her office and cry for an hour because it's like I would allow myself, okay, I can cry in there and it's okay. Okay. You didn't even know why you were crying, did you? No, I did not. Wow. And I had a very good friend who had been through this before. And she would call me and she'd say, where are you? And I would say, I'm sitting in my bedroom. She could get up, go outside and go sit in the sun. Oh,
1: what a good friend.
0: I mean- You wouldn't think just going outside, sitting in the sun would make a difference, but it did. And she would talk to me on the phone and I wouldn't even really say anything back. She would just say, look up in the sky, look at the beautiful clouds that God has made for you to see, look at the flowers in your backyard. And then she would say, okay, Get up and go walk to the mailbox.
1: Oh my gosh. Walk to
0: the corner. And she would talk to me while I would either take a walk or go sit outside. She, during my darkest hours, she was there for me. And because of her, when people call me and they're there, the first thing I tell them is, Hey, go sit out in the sun.
1: Oh my gosh. And I'm going to ask you a question. We didn't go over it. Did you ever feel like you wanted to end your life? I never did. Okay. I never did. I never wanted to
0: harm myself, which is the first question my physician asked me. I just wanted to curl up in a ball in my bed. Okay. But I never did want to harm myself. And I feel I feel that I'm very fortunate to not have those thoughts. Right. I can say that one of my children has had those thoughts when she started going down that path. She was at college. And we immediately went and got her, brought her home, nurtured her, loved on her, and tried to take care of her. We knew the situation she was in, she wasn't able to care for herself. Right. Never know what to do if I hadn't been through that, the valley, so to speak.
1: Oh my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I know that's hard. And how wonderful to have a friend like that in your corner. This kind of reminds us that if we know someone's in pain, we just might need to go that extra step. I have learned so much the value of a phone call or a text. I
0: right now have a very good friend who is walking through a valley. And so she's seeing a counselor, but what I do is I call her with daily, with words of encouragement to let her know she's loved. And every day, if it's sunny, I'm like, go sit outside in the go sun. Sit out in the
1: sun. And she's <laughs>
0: like, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> just the chair's already out there. I went, go sit in it. And we take walks together. We both, we FaceTime each other and she walks and I walk and we talk just you know, so that she knows she's not alone. And I would have never known to do that if I Had, had
1: you not known how valuable it is. And I have a feeling that there's so many of us, and that's one of the things I'm trying to do as I surrender to the process of everything that's happening around me and listening to clues is when you get a name or an idea or something pops into your head, I reach out. So if it's the name of somebody I haven't even talked to in a while, I'm like, oh, there's a reason why I just thought of that name. And I'll tell you every single time when I follow through that phone call, that text, that email really was important at that moment for whatever whatever reason. Yes. Whether it has to do with this podcast or they're going through something. It's been amazing. Does that happen for you? It happens all the time. The
0: point that turned me, it was probably 15 years ago and we had a new family in the church. It was a a couple and they had a little two-year-old little boy and unbeknownst to us, she went and had some outpatient surgery. They were very private. And so they did not tell anybody. They did not have any family in the area. And I was cooking dinner and I was like, oh, I should call so-and-so. I just feel like I should call her. And my husband was like, oh, you should call her. But I was in the middle of cooking dinner and I had, you know, all the kids were at home. Life happened while we were eating dinner. I was like, I should really call her.
1: And George, Oh, you got nudged again.
0: Yeah. George was like, you should, you should call her. And so I waited till after my youngest had had his bath and was in bed and I called her and I said, hey, how are you doing? And she goes, awful. <gasps> I had outpatient surgery today and I'm bleeding. And I went, oh my gosh, why don't you go back to the hospital? She goes, we don't have anybody to watch our son. Oh, no way. And I went, we're on our way right now. We're on our way. So my oldest daughter was old enough, you know, to stay with the younger. So we went to her house, got her son. And she went to the hospital. They ended up admitting her. But oh my gosh, that was the turning point for me where if I feel like I should call or text someone, I say it verbally to my husband, if he's with me, and then I do it. And I I tell him because now he's like, stop what you're doing and call him. Because I I know that, you know, it's not God going, you need to call Susan. But when I feel like I should call somebody, now I do.
1: That is such, I think that's a really good takeaway for everyone, especially now, and especially women. Oh, yeah. We, we, we we're intuitive beings. That's why we're wearing the woman's suit. We're down here to do all this stuff for that <laughs> reason. Yeah. Have you not heard that? You get to wear the woman's suit when you're deciding uh-huh. about coming back down to this planet. That's what one person told me. And I just loved that. Yes. The you know, woman's said, suit does make me better than my husband. (laughs) I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. (laughs) So that was, that was a great story and that's really good stuff. The matter. So here we are and you are doing your thing, living your life. Everything's great. Everything's good. You're teaching, you're on medication, you feel good, right? Life is good. And then all of a sudden you're getting you're planning on retiring from teaching, correct?
0: 32 years. So take us through that. And um I you can retire at 30 years with full benefits. So I wasn't ready. And so I taught 31 years and then my son is a senior this year, 2021. And so, you know, I was like I could spend more time with him. So last February of 2020 I decided I would retire and I went down, I signed the papers, they gave me the pen teacher retirement of Georgia and I was so excited. And then a month later, the whole world shut down.
1: Yeah. Explain what you were doing. How are you getting the kids from June class? On March the 12th, it was a Thursday. The last Uh thing
0: in the day in fourth grade at Canningate Elementary, where I taught, fourth grade had specials, PE, art, music. And my class was in PE. And PE is the furthest away from our classrooms. I pick them up 2.20 and they have to be on the bus at 2.25. So literally I've got to take them all the way across campus get their book bags and get them in line for car line, bus line. And so that's always the one day of the week where we're rushed. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, come on, get your book bags. Let's go. We got to line up. And so all I was doing was just rushing them, rushing them. I didn't hug anybody goodbye. I didn't tell anybody, "Have have a great afternoon, go outside and play. I didn't get any of that day. Put them on the bus and that was it. That was it. We got the email that night that school was closed the next day. We thought, you know, it was Friday for a day. And then Mm -hmm. it went to, okay, it's going to be two weeks. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And then for the rest of the year. And so it's, there was no goodbye. There was no, and then, you know, my principal was like, well, we'll have you back next year. We'll have a little goodbye party. They don't allow anybody in the school, just the teachers and the students. It was so abrupt. And I really, you know, I'm a planner. Teachers are planners. You know, you've got to, okay. you're planned and then you have plan B and plan C. And I, I had no plan. My plan was to finish out the year. I was supposed to go on a great retirement trip with my friends. We were oh, we no. saved all year. We're going to
1: Greece. <gasps> no way.
0: Yeah. Oh no. And it all stopped. Uh, Everything stopped. And so m- all of my plans were gone. There was and no- now all this
1: work, this 32 years of dedication, where you would at least get like some kind of a send off, some kind of a, Hey, we appreciate you, even though you don't need that. right? right. But you kind of want to have like a formal memorialization of, okay, I'm moving on to the next one. Well, I'm going like- to close the book you did a great job. You know, it's the
0: ending of this chapter of your life and mm-hmm. you're going on to something else. And, you know, it's kind of, I see that in my son now, his senior year, that chapter's ending. And so many people are like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And he told me, "Because, mom, I'm 17. I don't know what I'm going to do next.
1: <laughs> and what options are there? There's nothing is like it was. You can't just say, I'm going to go do a year abroad. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go to this school. You don't even know who's in session, how you're going to do it. Yeah. I don't envy that at all. So here you are. Pandemic's happening. So uneventful. I guess I'm automatically retired now, right? And so you decide you're going to go grocery shopping. I'm in Walmart and I have on my mask
0: and... It's like the first week of April. So, I mean, we're like two weeks into the pandemic and we have several doctors and nurses who go to our church and, you know, they're freaking out. Oh, were they? Because the hospitals, you know, nobody knows how to deal with this. They're working through
1: their entire shift, no breaks. Renee, is the church still open at this point? I don't know. Were you guys still able to be open? We never closed. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. We
0: never closed. George always, you guys, I'll be dead before the doors of the church are closed. Oh, wow. Okay. So he is, now there were times when it was very low, but we've always had uh, online present. And so he always online sermons. And so sometimes maybe it was just the band and George.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So going.
0: he did keep going. And even we had to quarantine in the middle of July. He preached from the house. Okay. <laughs> he preached so from you, the
1: house. So you were still in contact with people. You were still oh, yeah. in some way getting the feedback from these yeah. prisoners that are and somebody had just said uh,
0: one of the nurses had told my daughter, you know, if we just had like some kind of snacks that we could grab and go, you know, not have to, because a lot of them would always stop and get fast food. Well, you know, everything shut down. There was no place to stop and get anything. Right. But so I was in Walmart and I guess it was just weighing on my heart. You know, what could I do for the doctors and nurses for the healthcare workers? And I was like, well, I could get them some snacks together. And I was like, man, how much money is that going to cost? And how would I get it there? And what would I put it in? I can't just start taking
1: Walmart bags to the
0: hospital. And, and you
1: told me, wait, we have to say this. You told me you're in, in Walmart. It's like what? Seven in the morning or something. You went yeah, it was early. really early. So there wasn't many people there. Right. And as you're coming up with this kind of ideas, kind of formulating, you think of your mantra, yeah. Perhaps this is the moment. And so,
0: you know, people had talked about getting snack baskets together, and I'd been on threads on Facebook where it's like, "Well, we should do something." And I was like, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it." And so, I bought. I decided I would spend two hundred dollars. I bought all kinds of snacks, and I bought some laundry baskets. And why um, laundry baskets? Because they were cheap and they could hold the the
1: snacks. And, and I did not see them, it, right? You, you it said would be
0: that. easier to carry and the, and everybody could see what was in it. Mm-hmm. So I came home from Walmart and George was like, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> we're not going to eat that much I'm food. really hungry. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to make some snack baskets for the hospital. And so I filled them all up and I started texting people and, you know, Nobody answers right away. I'm an instant gratification person. And so I wrote on a piece of copy paper, we're praying for you. And I taped it to the basket and I drove down the street to my neighbor's house. He's an ER physician at Piedmont Fayette. I rang the doorbell, I backed up and his wife answered the door. And I said, do you think your husband would take this to the ER for the doctors and nurses? And she went, yeah. It was a huge hit. So the next thing I did, I contacted a nurse, Piedmont Noonan, and I asked her if she would take it in. I said, would you take in a snack basket? She was like, yeah. And both (laughs) of them were so excited. And they just said their coworkers were so happy. So I had four more baskets. So I took pictures of them and I said, hey, I'm delivering these snack baskets to our two hospitals, to our healthcare workers, because I have friends in Coweta and Fayette County. And I said, if you want to help me on this, I'd love for you to help me. Just let me know. And I didn't put any way they could give money. That just said, let me know. And so people started texting me and messaging me on Facebook. Hey, how can I get you snacks or hey, can I give you money and you'll go shopping for me? How can I get you money? What can I do to help? And so I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I'm like, hey, people want to give me money for the snack baskets. I mean, should I just tell them to write a check? And my two daughters were laughing at me. <laughs> Mom, you just do Venmo or Cash App or PayPal. And I was like, well, I know how to pay with PayPal. And then want well, you can get money on it too, I was like, Well, I don't know how to do that. So I got a very quick lesson in Cash App, Venmo, and learning how to work those. And they helped set it all up. And so I went back and I put the Venmo address and the Cash App address on there. And people were just so excited to get to be a part of it. And so I post pictures of me delivering them to the hospital, making them. It's just... And so then rather than, you know, have the doctors or the nurses, I drove up to the emergency room. Oh,
1: good. I'm glad you're telling this story. because so I funny. drove up to the <laughs> emergency
0: room and, you know, they have guards there. Yeah. And I don't know really what the reason was or, you know, people, they didn't want people rushing in their emergency room. They wanted, you know, I guess to follow all the rules. And I opened my trunk and I have The whole back of the car is filled with baskets. And I look at the security guard and I went, hey, can you take these inside? He goes, no, ma'am, I can't go inside. I went, but it's snack baskets for whoever wants them in there. He goes, I can't do it. I said, what if you and your security guard friends, what if y'all get what you want and then take it inside? He goes, okay, we can do that. (laughs) And so he took the first basket in. And a nurse came out and she literally was in tears. She oh goes, did you gosh. bring those for us? I said, I did. I said, you can give them to whatever department you want. She goes, I can't even put into words what this means. You know, I'm a hugging person and I wanted to hug her really bad, but you can't do yeah. that in COVID. So right. I just said, you know, I want you to know we're praying for you. And I had handwritten, we're praying for you and the little heart. And my oldest daughter, who is head of creative arts and, you know, at church, she finally, she goes, you're going to have to quit handwriting those signs. They really need to look professional, mom. (laughs) And I went, well... I don't know how to do the graphics. And she goes, I'll print some signs up that say, we're praying for you, you know. And I, so she did. So I have my uh, yellow sign because uh, Piedmont, that's their one of their colors. And so I have all the little signs and I go through the right channels now. There's a coordinator at Piedmont Fayette and Piedmont Noonan. And um, I just call them and I said, hey, you know, I've got snacks for you. And so we meet at the back door at Piedmont Noonan. He might say it, Paige comes out and she's got her cart and they meet me. And every time, every time they're like, you don't know how much of a difference this means. You don't know what it means for the healthcare workers to know that somebody cares. That hmm. Somebody's praying for them and that somebody cared enough to make a, a snack basket. That's, thank you for doing that. That's amazing. Well, I mean, I do it for them for them mm-hmm. and you know what's I mean I'm just going to tell you the night before I got your call
1: uh, to be on the podcast yeah the night okay
0: before I was thinking well maybe it's run its course you know maybe I've done what I was supposed to do and when I got your call I felt like it was God going no <laughs> more work for you to do
1: sorry you have to go buy more snacks now yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, I know people look at me funny when I'm, cause now I'm in Sam's and I buy the giant boxes and I know people look at me funny, but I mean, I've had people, when I was in Walmart, filling my buggy with little Debbie's, this guy goes, Hey, wait, wait, I really want some of those little Debbie Swiss cake rolls. I said, Oh, go ahead and take all you want. He goes, who are you buying these for? And I said, I make snack baskets for the hospitals and I take it to him. He goes, wow. He goes, let me give you $20. He goes, I want you. He goes. I wanna be a part of that. Just like I mean, that. So now
1: I, you actually have, you have lots of donations that, so you're not doing this out of your own pocket. Every I'm time.
0: not doing it out of my own pocket. I have so many laundry baskets at first. first <laughs> the hospitals didn't give me, I didn't take the laundry baskets back because, you know, we didn't know how COVID spread. We didn't. Right. Know, so, but now they give me the laundry baskets back. So when I meet them with new baskets, they go, Hey, I got baskets, more baskets for you to fill.
1: Oh,
0: how fun. So they, I don't have to buy the baskets anymore. Oh my my gosh. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful way. It's a small way to let people know that we care.
1: But again, like we're finding out in this podcast with everybody, everybody who comes on here in no matter what capacity they're coming onto, no matter what story they're going to tell, it's always about getting the idea and actually taking action. Yeah. Actually doing it. And just doing it because we all have great ideas. It's what makes us take that step. And for you, it's that saying. It is. What if this is the moment I was created for? I love, and you say you do that every day. You wake up every day
0: thinking that? Every day. What is it that I'm supposed to do today? Not,
1: you know, me, but God working through me. That's you know, maybe- a drop the mic moment there. That's huge. It's so big. I love that. So what's next for you? Where are we going? How do you... <laughs> Keep going every day. What do you think? I feel like a senior in high school
0: when you ask me what's next for me. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I originally was, I was like, oh, I'm going to volunteer here and I'm going to volunteer, you know, with, and everything shut down in the pandemic and I couldn't go volunteer. And so uh, what I found myself doing was I was hanging out at the church and somebody needed to organize the food pantry. Who's in charge of the food pantry? Now I don't know.
1: Oh no! (laughs) Like
0: oh okay. Well, I'll organize the food pantry, and then I was like, we need food. (sighs) And uh, so I told my oldest daughter Tiffany, I said, we need to have a food drive. She goes, we've got too much stuff going on. You can't really run two different things at the same time. And so I went to my husband, and I was like, hey, we need a food drive. He goes, okay. You know, I have the ability to go over people's heads sometimes. Uh And so, you know, it's a pandemic and you're asking for people to bring in food. It's the biggest food drive we ever had at church.
1: Wow. And
0: And who is it helping? uh, Anybody who comes by the church who needs food, we give it to them. And then our church says angel tree. And so this year, along with all the Christmas presents that we were able to give the families, also, we able to give them huge boxes of food, which we haven't done. So I was so excited that that, you know, when they came in and I had put toilet paper on the food list. So
1: not oh, only wow, huge yeah.
0: boxes of food, they had these huge packages of toilet paper, which that's what made everybody smile.
1: Because of everything you heard, right? Yeah. The, news, the shortages and yeah, flying off the shelves. And I feel
0: like, you know, I don't know what's next. Whatever God puts in front of me, I'm going to jump on with a lot of, I guess, enthusiasm and excitement. You're open to whatever. I'm, I'm I I can tell you, I have time, which is a great asset I didn't have before. Our church sends out a prayer list of people who we need to pray for. I'm able to pray for them. Oh, neat! I'm able to pray for them. I'm able to to do Bible studies. I have the time. I have the luxury of being able to just get in God's Word like I never have before. I'm able to spend time with my grandchildren. Tomorrow, I am going to cook four meals for a family that had their baby eight weeks premature because the mother came down with COVID.
1: Oh my gosh! And
0: I think I, of that. Yeah, I'm going to make all these, I'm going to make a meal for them tomorrow night. And then we're going to make frozen meals so that they'll have them in their freezer. And it wasn't my idea. My daughter, who's a school teacher, it's her assistant principal. And they did a meal train, mm-hmm. but people only signed up for four nights. Oh. And she sent a text to my other daughter and to me. And she said, hey, can we make food? And I used to say making casseroles was my gift. Hmm. Because I didn't feel like I really fit in any category, you know, what's your gift from God? And I was, you know, I don't know, but casseroles (laughs) make you a casserole, mean casserole. And I, you know, because George is the preacher, I always know when a family has been in the hospital or when there's an illness. So I know when they need a casserole, even if they... Most people never would ask, mm-hmm. but, you know, food is always a need. And so we were like, yeah, let's make some frozen casseroles. Let's make some dishes. And because Alexis, she goes, that's not my greatest
1: gift. She goes, but
0: uh, <laughs> I know where I can get casseroles. And Tiffany and I are like, yep, we'll be, we'll do it.
1: Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, I bet you make a
0: really delicious casserole as well. I always have the ingredients. So, And I'm also going to make some cupcakes. Because who doesn't need a cupcake? Who doesn't need a cupcake?
1: (laughs) I love that. Can you share with us the mantra one more time?
0: It is Esther 414. Perhaps this is the moment for which you
1: have been created. That's amazing. Renee Dillard, how can people find you?
0: I am on Facebook at Renee Dillard. And uh, if you want a friend request me, I will accept you. And, you know, I guess that's really the way I I don't have a website or anything. I'm just a regular person.
1: You are an ordinary woman doing I doing an- extraordinary things. Which is exactly what this podcast is about. And you're living your best life and you listen to the aha moments and you found your second wind by doing something you really didn't want to do. You know, before this
0: podcast, I did not know who you were. And when I read, I read it out loud to my husband. And
1: what, wait, 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 wait. What were you reading?
0: The, what you sent me, the, the face, the, the cover page for. Oh, your- okay. My little, hey, welcome to the podcast. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, it's me. me." (laughs) And then I was like, there's other people out there like me. Yes. Like you finished your career. You finished what was expected of you. You've raised your children. And what are you going to do now? And so I don't really, it's not, there's not a plan for the next 30 years but I am so open to whatever God has. For
1: me. Oh, I love it. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's the what's next. How yeah. can we live our best lives, serve others in that? Yeah. And be fulfilled and find our souls purpose. Yeah. And it looks different for everybody. It does. And that's and what I'm sharing.
0: It looks different every day.
1: And every day. Yeah. Yes. And thank you so much for everything you're doing. I'm sure you will see some more donations coming your way. We're not out of the thick yet. I'm hoping yeah. we are soon, but you've already transferred what you're doing into the food pantry at the church. Like it's sort of, it kind of fell in yeah. line there. Oh yeah, it's- <laughs> So I see you doing that for a while now you'll probably have that going mm-hmm. Some, something with food always, always, <laughs> always. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, and thank you for having it. me and for sharing. I appreciate that. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile